Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every week. This live stream is brought to you by Still and Evergreen Garden Care. Still is Australia's most trusted brand of garden power tools, backed by 95 years of German engineering excellence. To get your hands on their range, visit your local Still dealer today or visit still.com.au. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the best-known and trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. To be inspired and easily create and maintain your garden, head to lovethegarden.com. Hello, welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. I'm Trevor Cochran. It's great to have you here this Wednesday morning. It's a bit unusual. I know we've got a few people joining us who haven't been able to join us on a Monday. Um, Obviously with Easter um, and a bit of a break, we have had um, a little bit of a different, a bit of a change to our weekly uh, Monday morning show. And let's see how we go Wednesday. Hopefully you've been able to send some of your uh, questions in and maybe some pictures uh, so I can help you with your garden. Now, look, we've got a great show today. Mother's Day is just around the corner and I'll introduce you to the ultimate Mother's Day gift from Garden Express. We'll catch up with David a bit later on. Are you looking for ways to spruce and tidy up your garden, but you're not sure where to start? Well, we're going to be doing a regular segment with those experts from Still. In fact, um, I've done a few stories and I think you'll find it really enlightening. This this guy's got so much knowledge and I wanted to share it with you. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to share it with them. So let's bring it all together and let's see what you think. Now's the time to kill weeds and I'll be showing you an easy way to do it with your lawn. It's kind of important to do it about now. You'll find that all the bindi is starting to germinate and people usually react to bindi when they're getting prickles in their feet. It's too late. Now's the time to be treating it along with broadleaf weeds before they get into your lawn, get started and cause all sorts of problems for the winter. And later in the show, I'll take you to the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. I've just been recently. It was a sensational event Got some great pictures, so we'll talk that through. Of course, it's all about your gardening questions, so please make sure you send them in. There's plenty of prizes to be won. Don't forget to put your state and city in your question, and also please hit the like button. It shares it with your friends. All right, that's a big mouthful. I've got some great um, plants that I'm well, some fruit actually. I've been in the garden this morning and uh, brought a little bit in, and we'll test you and see what uh, what you think it is. Right, Joanne is our first question through. She has sent us a picture and uh, she wants to know what this plant is, please. All right, so Joanne, you've got a begonia there. This is one of those classic pot begonias and a beautiful plant. You can see it's dropped a couple of flowers on the floor recently. You um, can, plus can you let me know what these ones are? and if they are inside or an outside plant. Okay, so that is the Dracaena. Oh, hang on a second. We've got that one. Okay, so that's that's the happy plant. So that's uh, known as the Chinese happy plant, Dracaena massiangiana or fragrance. Absolutely beautiful, brilliant indoor plant. Let's have a look at the others. A little bit of panic going on here. No, that's okay, we're back. That's all right. We're just looking for the photos as they come up. All right, as they flow through, looking at that, you have got the miniature umbrella tree in the foreground. You've got a ZZ plant, one of these in the background, but it's the green form. You've got the mother-in-law's tongue, and I can't quite tell what the tall one is because I can't really see the leaves, but it does look a lot like the Diffenbachia. And the good news is they're all wonderful indoor plants. They do really well in an indoor environment. So hopefully your question has been answered, Joanne. Um, That's pretty easy. Leah is in Brisbane. Hello, Leah. It's great to have you back. What can I add to my hard clay soil in preparation for spring bulb planting? Well, right now is a terrific time to be getting some gypsum into your soil. Now, gypsum is a form of lime. What it does, if you can break it, the soil up a little bit, even with a steel pole and you bang it in and you know, get some holes in there, get the gypsum into it. What it does is it causes the soil to start to crumble. 
and you're probably going to use something like a kilo per square meter, which sounds like a lot, but the idea is to try and get into the top 150, 200 mil of soil. So hopefully that helps. Claire, we've come back to WA and Claire is in Cavisham. Cavisham is a beautiful suburb. Recently bought a house with an unknown fruit tree. It didn't fruit or flower this year. So I'm guessing it's only a year or so old. I'm guessing it's a stone fruit, plum, or perhaps a nectarine. Need to remove it within the next six weeks. I'm gifting it to a friend. Any advice or tips on the best way of removing or rehoming this? And it is a plum, so I can tell you that straight away. And the best thing to do is to try and leave it to the first week. There you go. Now, it could be a flowering plum or a fruiting plum. The way it's got multiple branches coming off the bottom suggests that it is probably a seed-grown plant or alternatively, it's uh, the rootstock, um, which would probably give you a cherry plum. So they're all still edible and quite nice. Now, digging these out, best time to do it is the first week of June, all right? Um, as you get into the colder period of winter, a lot better to dig them out. Try and get as much of the root system out as you can and try not to knock all the soil off it. Um, if, you can, if you can leave as much soil on, you'll reduce the damage to the fine feeder roots. So wrapping it in a bit of hessian, lifting it out of the soil, taking it to its new home, digging the soil, in, digging the soil up, digging a big hole that's twice as big, filling it with a good potting mix is ideal or a, a well-composted compost. Pop, pop it into the soil, put the compost around the outside and drench the root system with sea salt. Now, the reason is that seaweed extract that's sitting in there reduces a shock in the plant's roots. So it's a really good way to go. Hopefully that'll help you, Claire, and you should have 99% chance of success. So that's a good gift to give to a friend. All right, let's go to New South Wales, the upper hunter. We've got Carolyn. Again, picture attached. This is brilliant. What is the best way to transplant this yesterday, today, tomorrow? And we're not talking about um, whether you do it yesterday, today, or tomorrow. The plant is called yesterday, today, tomorrow. It's Brunsfelsia latifolia. And it has these beautiful flowers that start off with a, a, a blue. They then go to a sort of a pinky purple and end up being white. Sensational plant, does so well. Digging them up and transplanting them is actually easy. You can try and get as much of the root system as you can and cut the plant back by about 50%. So you can cut it back hard. You want to make sure it's still got some leaves below its cutback point. When you go to dig it out the soil, drench the soil as you're digging it out. Drench it with, some, with a 9-litre uh, watering can mixed with um, sea soil in it. Then move it to its new home and put it into the ground. Again, a hole twice as big as the root system's width. Fill the rest of it up with a good composted organic matter. So I, I would prefer to see you use potting mix, so probably two or three bags of potting mix, and it will get off to the best possible start. And again, drench it with sea salt. Hopefully that helps. Staying in New South Wales, we've got Jody in New Mexico. Why am I agapanthus sick? The leaves are odd shapes, look like a fungus on them. I don't water them very often. The ground is a bit dry and hard. Now, Jody, this sounds to me very, very much like you have got something called mealybug. Mealybug loves it when it's dry, loves it when the, when, uh, the environment is uh, on the drier side. It causes, it's a little tiny insect, but it leaves a white, um, like a fluffy material across, almost a web across where it lives. It tends to be down in the, the actual heart of the plant. And what it does is it eats those new leaves as they come out. So they all come out crinkled and deformed. They don't look right. Now, the way to treat it is to use a systemic insecticide. Now, there are a few of them available and you want to walk and talk to your local garden centre. Say, look, I'm looking for a systemic insecticide. There's there's a number of them. Personally, if I was using it, I would be, if I was treating it, I would be spraying, spraying with Bathroid. Really um, very effective. It's probably going to take two or three sprays and now's a good time to do it because they're not very active during the winter months. So you should kill the ones that are in the roots or in the heart of the plant. Okay, let's come back across the country. A good turnout from WA today. Let's see how we go um, in South Australia, Tassie and uh, Victoria. Kerry is in Rollystone. Hello, Kerry. I have got, I planted um, broccoli, which um, has grown big and healthy leaves, but no sign of any heads. Is there something I should feed it? In actual fact, don't feed it anything. It'll um, produce a flower head um, out of those those leaves, and um, you'll it'll be that 
in the bud form that you'll cut and use as your broccoli. Uh, but it tends to be when it gets cooler. So um, you'd probably just seen the instigation of that now, Kerry, so don't, don't worry. Linda is in Adelaide. Hello, Linda. I'm on the hunt for Senecio Bellagrigio. It's, um, you've hit a brick, brick wall because your search began um, in New Zealand. That's where you'll find them growing. It's a really interesting plant. Uh, to describe this, it's more of a foliage plant. It's got a beautiful white silver foliage. Um, and uh, if I was going to compare it to anything, I'd probably compare it to um, lamb's ears. There you go. Pakistakis. That's a pretty interesting plant in itself. It's the alternative I would suggest you look for because Bella Grigio is actually a variety, I think, that is only seen in New Zealand. I don't know anybody growing it over here under that name, but it doesn't mean that we don't have that plant somewhere in You'll find it in good independent gardens, as I would expect, if you're going to find it. But um, certainly you won't be able to bring it into Australia. So uh, lamb's ears is an alternative. If not, you're going to have to hunt around. Sorry, Linda, but you're in Adelaide, and thanks so much for joining us. James is in Sydney. I love your show. Thanks, James. We need some help with the bellflower plant, as they are infested with caterpillars, sprayed it with rich-growth insect spray, but to no avail. Yeah, look, you probably need to use something that's a little bit more effective, I would suggest. Um, uh, my recommendation would be that you probably go for Success. So there's a product by Yates. It's called uh, Success. It is um, – you can also – well, no, look, I'd go for Success. Uh, it's a really, really good uh, natural uh, product. It's got a um, effectively a bacteria that uh, when you spread over the foliage, it gets into the caterpillar's gut when they go to, to eat – and it really stops them from um, from doing any damage. So hopefully that helps, James. Um, and you'll find that in your local garden centre. Teller, we love you, Teller. You join us every week. Thanks for joining us this Wednesday. You're in Leadville in New South Wales. How do I prune my fig tree? Too many branches, leaves, very few green bronze fruit. Love you all. We love you too. Thank you. Um, Teller, right, this is an interesting thing. I've got the same problem in my garden. So fig trees actually love it hot and dry and to be quite honest the ideal scenario is for them not to be irrigated during summer however in my garden i can't afford uh, can't avoid uh, irrigating them and that's where there's a real problem so i get a lot of growth a lot of foliage and not that much fruit so the more stress they are um, the more fruit they'll produce that's the first thing second thing is Pruning now is probably not going to do an awful lot of good. Wait until winter when they drop their leaves. As soon as they drop their leaves, go through and you can prune them and you can prune them quite hard. And uh, good luck. Yeah, next next year it's pretty hard when you've got lots of rainfall and so on in trying to control it. But um, it is one of those things. It's just one of those things that you uh, have to try and achieve if you can if you really want lots and lots of fruit. All right. Now, I did mention about great ideas. We are all about innovation, about making gardening easy. And one of our partners on the Garden Gurus is a German company known as Still. They are the world's leaders when it comes to power garden equipment. And I managed to catch up with them at the Still stand at the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show just a couple of weeks ago. And here's the clip. G'day, Daniel. How are you, mate? G'day, how are you? Now, listen. You guys have just been the innovators when it comes to tools, but there's some real changes that are making pruning and clipping your hedges and possibly even your lawn so much easier. Take me through it, because this is amazing. Yep, well, we can start off with our little pruning saw here. Mm -hmm. This is just a general lightweight little pruner. Yep. Um, doing up to about three inch diameter in um, branches. Nice and easy with the battery system there, just plugs in safety lockdown yep. and away we go with the trigger. Right, so this is a tool that would be fantastic for people who are pruning roses. This is the time that you get out and bring them back down, and particularly that old dead wood, which is really hard to cut through. Yep. This is the ideal pruning saw. This is saw. very easy to do that, and it'll remove all that dead wood and debris very easily. Okay, fantastic. All your general lightweight pruning, yep. absolutely ideal. Okay, and uh, getting around? Yes. You got got a holder. So what we can do also, we do have holsters that are available for them, which yep. we can we have on display on the back wall. Yeah, yeah. We'll plug on, so nice and easy for the property, a large property owner. Terrific. Now, one question: batteries. Yes. How long's the battery going to so last? The battery run time on this particular unit is a 25-minute cutting time. Right. All right. 25 so minutes. 25 minutes cutting time. I reckon by the time you finish with that, yeah. time for a drink anyway. Yeah, All yeah. Right? That's brilliant. Now hedges and particularly topiary, clipping yep. and pruning and getting them right yes. requires attention to detail. Yep. 
What about a tool for that? So for all our fine leaf pruning, we've got our little HSA 26, right. which has interchangeable blades. Great for doing all your shaping of your fine box edges, yep. and we can detach the blades ah. and also go out into our grass shears and for some more fine precision. Fantastic. So all you're going right. to get all your edges and... Correct. The one blade, sorry, the one battery will suit both products. What we can also do is clip that back in, and that's 120 minute runtime on this particular unit. 120 minutes. Yeah, so that's a lot of cutting for that, and it's a 70 minute recharge. Now, just a quick question, because it's one of the things, once upon a time, there was a lot of work needed to be done with maintenance. Yes. That's not something you have to worry about these no. days. All we need to do with these products is keep them clean. Right. We do have a product called a Super Clean, which we can spray onto the blades yep. to clean it, and that's all we need to do. Okay. Units. Never put the batteries away empty, always have a medium charge in them before you put them away. Right. And then that will protect your unit for a long time. Fantastic. All right. And if you need any more advice, all you've got to do is get into your local steel yep. dealer. Come and visit your local steel store. We're the experts in the product. We can go through and show you all the maintenance, cleaning, tips and everything on how to use the product. Even in store, you'll be able to have a demo. All right. Well, I'm going to have one of each. Well done, mate. Thank you. All the best. <laughs> Garden Express are Australia's leading mail-order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on the Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer. So make sure, after today's show, you jump online and visit their website. Now this is an interesting fruit. I've just rubbed all the fur off this, and you saw it when I showed it to you. You can see there's so much of it. It's a really interesting fruit, and it was one of my favourite dessert fruits. Um, it's a member of the pommy fruit family, so pears and apples. It looks very much like an apple, but it's not. Do you know this one? It's called the quince. And quinces have very much the similar sort of growing conditions preference um, as things like figs. They love it hot and dry. And the fruit itself makes the most amazing paste, which is great when you are having things like cheeses and wines. But it also stewed with a bit of contro and maybe some vanilla ice cream, is one of the nicest desserts you will ever have and simple to grow. So I've just uh, harvested these. They are all going to be turned into quince paste because our tree is only three years old and it is um, just starting to produce about maybe 40 or 50 fruit a year. But within three years, it'll probably produce somewhere around about, oh, I don't know, maybe two or 300. And then there'll be a lot of other recipes coming forward. Do you know this one? This is an interesting one. This is an orange. All right, I'll tell you that. When you cut it in half, however, it looks like that. And depending on how cool the weather is, instead of being bright orange as you would expect an orange to be, this gets redder and redder. In fact, it gets blood red and it's known as the blood orange. Now, you can do all sorts of things. It's actually very nice to eat fresh. Um, I'm so tempted to do it, but I'm not going to. But it's also good when you've got lots and lots of fruit on the tree uh, to dry. And this is what we did. We um, literally just candied them. And uh, they are quite pleasant to eat um, dry as little snacks, so with cheeses and biscuits and so on. They're even better when they're thrown into a glass of gin and tonic. I'm being told that. I don't know whether that's 100% true or not, but was a reliable source. So they're sort of the citrus. This is actually a mandarin, and it's a unique Japanese variety, seedless variety, really delicious, and they are so good for you. And now all of these fruits are starting to come through. So this is the time of the year that you actually um, want to either be planting them or alternatively um the other thing, of course, is just to be harvesting. So uh, fresh fruit, nothing better. And I've got one more for you in my plant of the week, which turns out to be quite a few plants. Um, and that's this one. Do you know this one? This is the tree tomato or tamarillo. This is what it looks like on the inside. You can see this is a really interesting fruit. It comes from South America. It's a member of the Solanum family, um, which is a tomato family as well. Interestingly enough, this is a savoury fruit. It's not a sweet fruit at all. All the others, pretty sweet. This one, savoury and absolutely delicious. Again, with things like cheese. Um, ideally, um, if you're going to, to actually have it and enjoy it, um, you can sort of have it with some cheeses, with some, uh, some biscuits. 
and a very, very light white wine, not a, not a heavier red wine. So my plants of the week, what are your garden plants looking like just at the moment? Let us know. Give us some comments. Uh, love to hear your feedback. And it's a really good chance for us to, uh, at times, comment about things that I've also got growing in my garden. Um, now, I think uh, the other thing that we, we're going to talk about and that is MIFGUS, the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. It is an incredible event, and I went just recently. It was only a couple of weeks ago that it finished. And it was wonderful to go because it was a really big sign that the world's coming back to normal. There were 103,000 people attended the event this year, and everybody had a great time. The designers did the most amazing jobs. And um, let's have a look at this. So we've got a few few images coming up at the moment. This is Christian Jenkins' design. It won the best, uh, it won the gold medal and best in show. Now, Christian has been going for, look, 20 years, I reckon. It's his first best in show. He was stoked with this. And I think we've got a feature of this coming up um, this weekend on The Garden Guru. So you'll hear an interview with Christian. This was the amazing work done by the guys from Collector's Corner. That's a Collector's Corner garden world there in Victoria. Um, in Springvale, absolutely amazing display. People were just agagged. Of course, it's the beautiful Carlton Gardens and there's the, the big water feature you can see there. Um, absolutely stunning venue. Some of, the, some of the creations were very, well, let's just say um, uh, inspired by some of the environmental issues that are going on, floods and... and uh, and damage caused through environmental issues. This was a great one, um, 2.6 billion square metres, um, and a really good example of some just very, very clever thinking. Might not be the sort of thing you put in your front yard, but it certainly, as a show garden, was magnificent. This is the other gold medal winner, and take a look at that. That's beautiful. In the background, you can see the centenary pavilion, uh, the symmetry of the garden was designed so you had that view. If you're wondering what those beautiful white and pink uh, flowers are on the left and the right, they are hydrangeas, pendaculata. They're the most beautiful hydrangeas and uh, look how stunning they were. Everybody took a photo there. It was just amazing. So it's a bit of a rundown, I suppose, of what we've got. You can see there, this is back at Collector's Corner, actually. This was um, really interesting little um, little garden, that one. I loved it. So there you go, my little insight. But you'll see over the next couple of weeks on The Garden Gurus a couple of stories that I did whilst we were there filming at the show. It was fantastic. It's a wonderful event. Congratulations to the nursery and garden industry of Victoria, the landscape industry, and Flowers Victoria, who pull that together every year and do the most amazing job. It really is fantastic. All right. Enough of me and chatting. How about we um, we get into some of your questions? I'm going to pass some fruit around so that the team that are in here working today can uh, munch away. Now, your questions, they're all coming um, via either our Facebook page, via email. Some of them are being sent in via email. And um, don't forget, we're, we're uh, coming to you via YouTube as well. Janet is in, in Jane Brook in WA, and she sent us a picture. I've not cut my Sir Walter lawn in six weeks. Not sure what to do. The first picture is like some animal has come and cropped it all. The second picture, and I'm not sure why, um, and I can't quite see that second picture. Okay, there's second picture um, showing, yeah, I'm not really sure that that's unexpected for a lawn that's actually been... Um, that's been in that situation. And what it does look like is you might have a little bit of mite in there, which will die down during the winter months um, naturally, but you will have to treat at some point in the future. But to be quite honest, mowing regularly is the key here. And you are seeing some seeds starting to emerge and uh, some longer pieces. At the same time, when it gets too long, it'll shade out other parts of the lawn and you'll start seeing dead patches. So regular mowing with Sir Walter is vitally important. Hopefully that helps you. Okay, Lynn is in Claremont. Good morning, Lynn. Um, last summer I planted some white hydrangeas and whilst we managed to get through very hot summer here in Perth, what do I do now um, to make sure they put on a beautiful display this next season? Well, it's really interesting, Lynn. I've got some hydrangeas that are autumn flowering at home at the moment that are looking pretty good considering what they went through. We all went through a very hot 
dry summer and um, it was really unprecedented. Hydrangeas are one of those plants, when they're fully established, they're fine. But when they're, they're sort of just establishing, they can really struggle. And that's exactly what we saw with most. The only thing I would suggest you do, because your hydrangeas are about to go to sleep, they are deciduous, so they're going to winter, they're going to drop their leaves and they're going to rest. Right now, the best thing you could do is give them a little bit of a feed um, and uh, it's something fast acting. So ideally a liquid fertiliser. Um, and the other thing is give the ground a good soak with some sea salt. That will do them the world of good. Kate is in Perth as well. Good morning, Kate. I am writing to ask why there are a lot of agonists around Perth looking like they're dead dying. Is this a fungal problem? And if so, how is it best treated? This is a stress problem, Kate. Um, the ones that are really struggling are the ones that haven't got their root systems fully established. That's quite obvious. Um, and when you've got bigger, uh, larger trees, you're seeing the damage that's caused by stress again from unprecedented dry weather. So unprecedented heat and then a lack of water so the roots don't have anything to pull up so you start seeing patches dying in in mature trees and in younger trees you can just see all the foliage suddenly just go dead um, but it's not a disease as such it is a problem with our environment and um, there's not a lot we can do if you've got them in this situation again soaking them with something like sea solar seaweed extract it's going to help them recover from the heat stress hopefully that helps John, we're not sure where you're from, John, but you've sent us some pictures, so let's have a look. Uh, G'day, guys. I'm looking for advice on the following fungus, please. What is it? How do I get rid of it? Is it toxic to dogs? Um, got a bench slab. You've used it for three years and it's only just started growing. This is what they call a saprophytic fungus, so it's eating, um, basically eating the dead wood. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, it's definitely not toxic to dog or, um, or appealing to them. So I've got dogs and I've got this growing in in wooden logs in my own garden as well. Um, if you take it off, the log will last longer and uh, won't break down. If you leave it on there, it'll look quite spectacular, covered in, you know, a yellow fungi, uh, sorry, an orange fungi, um, but uh, it will become sort of less usable. So it's pretty much uh, your call, mate. Um, if you want to get rid of it, an easy way to do it is to apply something like copper sulfate or bluestone over the log, crush it up, water it in, and it tends to clear off the fungi. Okay, let's go to our next question. Uh, Marina is in Sydney. Hello, Marina. I'm having trouble starting up my Australian native garden. It's a mix of edible and ornamental. Some of the seedlings keep dying off. Could you give me some 101 tips as I'm going to try again today? Too much rain, should I move the seedlings into bigger pots rather than straight into the garden? Marina, look, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, in Sydney, you've had a lot of rain, and it could be that it's too much. If you were in Adelaide, for example, it may just be too dry. And this is the trouble with trying to get them started. What you want to do is you want to get them started going into the wet season, into the winter, um, and planting sort of in May is a, is a perfect time to do that. Hopefully, that helps you um, get through there. That's fine. All right, now, Kathy, you're in Tasmania. Hello, let's have a look. Uh, can you tell me what this plant is? It's ugly for about 11 months and then very pretty for about a month. So I haven't seen this, so I'm looking forward to seeing this pic. Not the easiest photo, Kathy, but the fact you're in Tasmania probably has given it away. I suspect that it's flowering in the winter um, or even, even the autumn. Um, it's leptospermum. Now, this is one of the one of the red flowering forms you've got pinks whites um, and reds and uh, they're often known as tea trees uh, they're probably not technically a tea tree but um, they really are fabulous plants and they do particularly well in cooler climates so it can look a bit um, scrappy for about 11 months of the year one of the tricks with them is to trim them to prune them so when it's finished flowering go through and hedge it up, make it a little bit more fuller by trimming it. Um, it'll produce more foliage and better flowering next year. Hopefully that helps. Kathy and Tassie. Okay, let's go to Belgrave in Victoria. Margaret, hello. I planted some hippie astrums a few years ago. They've never flowered. Could you tell me what I have done wrong, please? Well, the only thing I can think of, Margaret, um, the two things with hippies. One is uh, they're better to be left dry during the summer. So mine always flower. Um, at Christmas time into January, and I've, I really don't have the sprinklers running on them 
um, basically as, as soon as we've got out of the spring. And then when they finished flowering, I'll actually put some water on them then because I want them to grow and, and, and grow more plants and be bushier and, and produce more flowers. Um, the second thing with hippie astrums uh, is if they're planted in shade, uh, their flower will be very sporadic. So if you've got them in a really shady spot, um, they may or may not be reliable when it comes to producing flower. Amanda is in Richmond in Adelaide. Hello, Amanda. I've got a small yard. How do I prune my quince tree to keep it manageable? Hard is the answer, Amanda. Don't be scared to get into it. Um, they, do, they do respond very well to pruning and pruning on a regular basis. So when they're in the growing season, as they're starting to produce growth and you see it starting to get a little bit long, hack it back. It's okay. It's fine. Um, a couple of years of that kind of pruning will end up with a lot denser tree, but you'll actually produce more fruit, believe it or not, and it'll give you the ability to control it uh, a lot better. So that's probably not a bad way to go. And it's nice to have you joining us from Adelaide too. Kathy is in Queensland, the Burnett region. Uh, will quince fruit grow there from seed or graft? You definitely want grafted plants. I don't know the Burnett region super well. Quince are a deciduous tree. Um, they're triggered by um, chilling hours. So the flower production and the, and the fruit production is a result of hours under 10 degrees Celsius. And uh, the more of them, uh, the more fruit that will be produced. So if you can get some cool winter nights, it'll work. If you don't, it might grow but not produce fruit. Not sure. Rach, I'm not sure where you're from, but you've asked for some advice, some advice about treating fungus gnats in indoor plants, right? This is a common common problem. It always ends up with little flies in your Chardonnay, doesn't it? Um, Rach, the trick with this is either grow it in um, the Scots uh, Osmocote Premium Potting Mix for indoor plants. It's a 10-litre bag. It's a grey bag about that big. Um, it doesn't have any organic matter in there. And the gnats are, are around because they're in the potting mix that's got pine bark they eat that pine bark, they lay their eggs in it, and that's why you're seeing lots and lots of them around. So you could change your potting mix. You can also get um, a drying material that you can treat as a mulch, um, and it is for fungus gnats. It comes in a little five-litre bag. You'll find it in Bunnings stores, and uh, it's a really good way to um, to get control of of the gnats initially now and, and, and stop them from... Um, proliferating further in your garden. Claire is in Cavisham. Hello, Claire. Does Maria transplant well in Cavisham? And I think the last owner put it in the wrong spot. Yeah, okay. Maria's will transplant well, but you have to do it during winter, not during the warmer season. They can't stand any drying out if their roots have been damaged. Cut them back about 50%, so you've still got foliage on them. Then dig as much of the root system out, move it to its new home, put it into some good soil around the outside, soak it with sea salt, you'll do okay. How's that? Now, we haven't had too many questions on lawns. Did that one before about Sir Walter, but right now there's something you have to be doing with your lawns to make sure that you get them performing really well. You don't want weeds out-competing your grass. And as we move into winter, most grass varieties are what we call warm season grasses, Kaikuyu, um, obviously buffalo grasses and things like, um, and you can see we've got a little bit of uh, bit of images, some of the weeds that are going on at the moment are starting to appear, um, and things like cooch. Now, these grasses really are susceptible to being overgrown by weeds if you're not careful. And the trick is to be applying a, wedding, a, a weed and feed product over the top. Now, um, if we can go back to that's great. Um, when you're applying this, you do have to be careful which weed and feed you use. And you can get weed and feeds that also have a fertiliser in them as well. So it's, it is a weed, it's a feed and a strong green up in a liquid hose on. The guys at Lawn Builder have got a ripper. And Lawn Builder is that product that the professionals use. They really do incredibly well when it comes to treating professional lawns. And that's why the product is so good to use in a domestic environment. But this Weed feed and green up liquid lawn fertilizer is brilliant when it comes to treating things like, well, you know, your bindi, your broadleaf weeds. It's a really good way to actually get control. It's highly soluble. You spray it over the top of the foliage and you can see it going on there. And what it does is it absorbs through the leaves, down into the roots, kills them off, and the weeds will disappear. But at the same time, the fertilizer 
uh, will stimulate strong growth of the grasses. So it'll kill the weeds, won't kill the grass, and you'll find that you get really good um, recovery. We're still warm enough for grass to be growing really well at the moment. So giving them a feed and giving them a treatment now is a brilliant way to go. And it's also got only 0.7% phosphorus, which is really good when it comes to applying this sort of treatment near waterways or where water can go through stormwater and make it into rivers and so on. Phosphorus can cause algal blooms, and, of course, that's terrible for our wildlife. So now is the time to be getting out and applying it. And that particular product, you'll find it in your local garden centre. That's really the, the, the way to, to get your hands on it. Bunnings is a great source. So stick your head in, grab yourself one, give the lawn a good treatment, and your lawn, I promise, will love you for it. It'll look good. You won't have those weed problems come, come spring. Now, I'm not sure. What's the date today? Um, where are we? What is it, the 20th? So we're only, what, three weeks, three weeks, not even that, yeah, three weeks away from Mother's Day. What are you getting for mum? Have you got some uh, good gift ideas? Hmm, I've been thinking about it. I can't quite think of it. But it's one person I know who will help me out, and he's always got great ideas about anything to do with gardening and uh, a lot of other things as well. He's pretty knowledgeable when it comes to red wine. Um, David Van Berkel, welcome to the show. Great introduction, Trevor. Thank you. It's good to be back. It seems to have been like a month or so. Well, you've been a busy boy. You've um, you've had a, a, an immensely successful time at the Melbourne International Flower Garden Show. I showed a few photos to everybody, um, and this weekend people will see some vision on the Garden Gurus. It was an incredible show this year, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. Like the numbers through the gate were, were you know, at the upper end again and, and everybody was so keen to be out and about. Uh, Melbourne put on some of the best weather that we've we've had for a garden show. Um, it was so much fun, Trevor, so much fun. Everything was, um, everything was what you would hope it to be and it was great to see everybody bounce out, I think, of, um, of COVID and the impacts and the fear and all the things. Everybody was just there to have a great time. And didn't the designers do an amazing job? I think you're right. I think it wasn't just the customers that were out bouncing around. The, the people who ran the event, they were, they were on their toes and it was yep. so organised. And the exhibitions, everybody was just keen to, to get back to their best and, uh, and put on, you know, one hell of a display. And, and that's why I say it was just fun, the whole atmosphere, the 10-day build. Uh, it, it was just a brilliant experience and then such great interactions with the customers as well. So, um, yeah, we, we loved it, Trev, and we're still loving it with the online uh, with the online Mythicus Fest that we're having. Yeah, well, I was about to say, so, you know, the thing is um, not everybody can get to Melbourne and there'll be a lot of people who are listening here going, well, I didn't go, so I don't know. But you can still get a lot of the great deals. I mean, you had all sorts of things there. I mean, the, the Wollamai Pine were incredibly popular, Um they were walking out the door. The fuchsia display was just, it was just literally being overwhelmed with people at times. I, I saw that and just thought to myself, wow, it's incredible. And the other one that you had out the front that so many people took photos of, and we even did a closer for the show out there, was your beautiful truck with all the tulips in flower around the outside. Yeah, how good was that? We, uh, we introduced the old Bedford uh, oh, about eight years ago, I think now. Uh, yes. As a wreck, and then over that time, I've uh, I've had some people work on it with me and my grandson, and we we put it back in there with the, with the beautiful tulips and hyacinths, and and geez, it really lifted the display and uh, and and put the the hyacinth flavour up near your nose, so you could you could smell it. And, yeah. and tulips and hyacinths went quite nuts at the show, Trevor. Yeah, look, I I, I thought it was really interesting just to see how inspired people were by it, mate. Now, look, let's have a talk about Mother's Day. It's a big challenge for us um, is those of us who've got mums that are spoiled and all mums should be spoiled. Um, every year, you know, you think, what can I get that's special? What's going to last? What, you know, what's something that every time she she touches it or, or sees it, she thinks, oh, yeah, that was that beautiful Mother's Day present that Trev got me. I'm looking for that special gift, mate. What What can you come up with? I think we've got that for you, Trevor. I've been working towards some of those types of products. Mother's Day is that unique time. We've been uh, looking for those gifts, and you don't really want to hand your mother a heap of hard work with uh, 
you know, a million flower bulbs to plant. Yep. Unless she has the correct tools in which to do it with Trevor. Okay. Yeah. Great idea. So, uh, so we've got some uh, some beautiful gardening trunks. I think you might have some footage of them from the flower show, but I've I've got one of them here. Yeah. Beautiful cool. garden basket for for carrying around all the goodies, the harvest of the produce that she's got, or taking the um, the flower bulbs to be planted. And yep. then a collection of the uh, of the tools to go with them, Trevor. I think we've got three here that come with the basket. So you've got the trowels, the planter, the yeah, you've got everything. And the, and the scraper weeder tool. Sorry, mate, I'll just uh, put them all aside for a second. So that's a, that's a gift pack in itself? So it comes all gift boxed up. I'm just going to step back a bit and uh, just oh, yeah. wrapping around that or drop it into a basket. Oh, Mum, I'd love that. Beautiful presentation box to boost, Trevor, to make the ideal gift for Mother's Day. Yeah, so, I think I'm going to my mum. If your mum hasn't got one already, there's a problem. But um, <laughs> so, so, so tell me, what, what is that worth, mate? That is regularly worth uh, 79 but we're doing a Mother's Day offer for $55, so saving of 30%. Uh, for the viewers and our customers. This Hang week. on, pick, pick that back up again. Sorry, did you say it's only $55? $55, including That's the three awesome. tools. Sure. That's fantastic. That's a great deal, mate. That's um, And it looks looks beautiful. Yeah, a bit of wrapping paper around that. Should be pretty stoked with that. Anything else? Uh, we've, well, we've still got the show bag on off, a limited supply of the show bag from, from, right. the, uh, from our flower fest. So yep. that's $100 worth of bulbs for $29. I've got one of those here as well. Also wow. nicely presented. Probably yeah. fits perfectly in the basket as a combo gift there, Trevor. I'm surprised Rowan hasn't, you know, done my dollars on that one as well. I, I'm surprised he hasn't as well because you know he's good at that. And you've got to stick to your strengths. Rowan's going to do that, I'm sure. But that, that's a great that's a great idea that um, – that bulb, there's still a lot of people that are wanting to put bulbs in, so now's the time to act on it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we stocked up for the garden show knowing that, um, you know, in the last couple of years we've done the garden show online uh, and so we've been able to reach a bigger audience than those that just can come to Melbourne and, uh, and really? visit us. So there is still some flower show uh, product left available online. Awesome. And, uh, and then we've also got uh, my larger version if you really need your mum to go out and do a bit of work, we've yeah. got uh, my good stainless steel spade and fork set. So, David, when we were when we were kids growing up, um, stainless steel was the was the choice for tools, and there's a few different reasons for it. One is that it doesn't rust, obviously, and it stays stays clean. It, it actually works better. It seems to cut better when you're digging into soil and so on. Um, and you look your, your handles, the quality of the timber and everything looks sensational with those it's a beautiful set and i did actually give one of these to uh to my dad uh about a year or so ago when yep. um and and he said that he'd had a set like this dating back about 30 years and he hadn't been able to find similar replacement uh, yeah that was still working in good order but he just loved the newer version cleaner steel again and um, he thinks they're the ant's pants. That's for sure. So, are you selling those individually or as a as a as a set? It comes it comes as a gift set because you always need the fork as well to turn your soil over as well yeah, as the uh, as well as the spade. Um, mm -hmm. Quite, uh, they're obviously very solid, but quite easy to use with the shorter handle. Uh, regularly, yep. one hundred and ninety eight, and we've got that down to one hundred and eighteen for Mother's Day week. Wow, they're great deals, mate. Now, so if people want to get their hands on it, we know the big problem with you guys, and uh, it's, it's Rowan's fault, I'm sure, but every time you put an offer up, they never last. So people are going to have to jump online really quickly and place their orders. It's gardenexpress.com.au, right? Absolutely. And we'll make sure that all these Mother's Day gifts get sent uh, in good time so that they arrive in time to put the wrapping around it to hand to your mother. But they're quite well boxed, so you could literally just hand the box over uh, with a kiss and a hug and you'll be fine. Well done. Mate, I can see those orders coming in now. You better get off and start packing. You had a lot to go. Thanks heaps, mate. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll catch Thanks, up with you David. soon. Yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon, mate. We've got so many questions coming through, but just before we get into them, how about we give you a little bit of a sneak peek of what's coming up in episode number nine. 
It was a brutal summer right across Australia and a lot of our gardens are looking a little worse for wear and in need of some TLC. The good news is autumn is the perfect time to give our plants and soil a much needed health boost. Indoor plants add life to your home. They look great and have never been more popular. They purify the air we breathe and help keep things calm and peaceful. Now all plants need water, but be careful not to overwater your indoor plants and drown them, which is a common mistake. Something very special has happened in Melbourne, Victoria that I wanted to share with you. The Victorian garden industry and landscape industry, along with Flowers Victoria, have conducted the first Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show in two years. This show is brought to you by the Garden Gurus and Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis whether it's a garden, a balcony, or potted indoor plants. They want to inspire anyone, anywhere, to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com. Joe, I'm not sure where you're from, Joe. Remember, let us know where you're from. Really important. And I've got two or three that are coming through that you've forgotten to tell us where you're from. It does help me an awful lot. Joe, the last time I used weed and feed on my lawns, I think I overplayed it onto the garden bed full of petunias. They didn't look the best afterwards. How do I prevent it? Really good point, Joe. You definitely cannot afford for this spray to hit any of your ornamental plants at all. Anything with a broad leaf is going to be impacted and can deteriorate quite badly. Now, to put it into context, um, things like petunias that once hit, they're not really going to recover. You should never spray anything on a windy day really really important and be very careful on where you're applying your um your spray to it's really important that you make sure that you are just applying it to the lawn so if it's even slightly windy don't spray just hold you know hold your horses wait for that right day and this applies to all sprays all chemicals whether it be a herbicide or even an insecticide you don't want it drifting across into your neighbor's property you don't want necessarily edible plants coming in contact with something where you're spraying to control something on ornamentals. Um, really important to be careful. So don't spray on a windy day. Rule number one. Joe, thanks for that. Uh, Christine is in New South Wales and she's come to us via our YouTube channel. Can I majorly prune bottle brush trees that are too big and woody? There are a few flowers on them. Actually, now's not a bad time to do it, Christine. If you're going to do it, you don't want to prune them back beyond foliage. And what I mean by that is if you're just pruning them back to stumps, they may or may not come back. Usually they will, but um, if you can prune them back and still keep some foliage on, and then when they start to regrow, then hit them again with another prune, just to, so you don't get any of those big, long water shoots coming out through the top. That will help enormously. Lisa is in the Yarra Valley. It's great to have you join us, Lisa. Thank you. Is it a good idea to add garden lime to fruit trees now? I ordered a basket utility set you had on your show. Well done. That's great. They do look fantastic, actually. Um, so garden lime's a really important thing in, in the health of soils, particularly productive soils, or soils that are um, a little bit depleted. And if your soil um, pH is neutral, that is 7, or ideally 6.5 to 7, um, you will find that you'll end up in a situation where adding that in will add structure to the soil but also improves the overall cellular structure and health of your plants. So applying lime is a really good thing. But if you've got an alkaline soil, if you're living in a coastal situation and your soil is alkaline you need to actually think about it again and that's where applying something like dolomite which is a little more ph neutral or gypsum which is completely neutral um, will add that same calcium to the soil improve its structure improve its health but most importantly um, it won't change the ph of the soil so hopefully that helps you out a little bit um, and definitely fruit trees will benefit enormously from an application now, particularly things like citrus. Belinda is from Mitchenberry in Western Sydney, New South Wales. 
After all the rain we've had, I think my umbrella tree drowned. It's normally full and dark green and healthy, but it's lost so many leaves. It's half the tree it used to be. What do you suggest? I just hope that it stops raining and you don't get any more rain, Belinda. It will recover. I do expect it will. Um, but the soil just needs to dry out and it will start to recover. When your soil has dried, applying something like sea sol, a seaweed extract, is a good way to go because it does stimulate those new feeder fine roots and it helps the plant recover a bit quicker. But um, it's one of the hardest things ever is to help plants that have been saturated and have literally suffocated under the water. Um, very, very difficult. Not all the trees, umbrellas do love water, so it uh, shows just how much rainfall you have had. Now heading to Baronia and Victoria, and it's our good friend Tyson Sanders. Hello, Tyson, thanks so much for joining us. Can I plant beetroot seeds in my garden bed? Can you give me some tips and advice? Thank you, Trevor. Tyson, absolutely. Nice sunny spot. Scratch the soils. Literally spread your seeds out over the top of the soil. Don't put anything on top of it. Get the hose and wash them in. And you do it once. So you just let, let it sort of wash into the surface of the soil. Then you let it sit. And then about five minutes later, the seeds will have absorbed the moisture um, they'll be in the, the topsoil, water in one more time and tend to bury them under the soil. They only want to be just under the surface of the soil. They'll produce new growth very, very quickly and take off. Um, but full sun, really important, Tyson. Hopefully that helps. Joe's in Melbourne as well. Hello, Melbourne. Uh, hello, everybody in Melbourne. Uh, speaking about bulbs, I planted mine recently and they're sprouting. Is there something I can apply to them to make them flower better? Actually, Joe, don't apply anything at the moment. Um, I think David Van Berkel would probably say you could use a, a general fertiliser, but wait until you see the flower buds appear and then think about applying. I'd be thinking about a controlled release fertiliser. There's some really good ones in the Osmocote range that promote flowering. Have a look at yours in your local independent garden centre or bunning store. Now, we're heading up to Sydney. Elizabeth, my finger lime is eight years old and not fruiting. What can I do to get this blooming it's a really interesting thing with finger limes because they can be very hit and miss and um, I'm not quite sure I know the exact trick because mine for a period of time wasn't producing anything Sue McDougall bought me uh, a gift many many years ago I've had it in my garden it's only about this big it's not a huge plant but um, some years it'll produce fruit and some years it won't what does seem to happen is when it's a wetter summer it doesn't produce very much fruit when it's a dry summer, it seems to produce a lot of fruit. So I think it's more environmental. So if you can control the water supply, that's probably going to help, Elizabeth. That's about the best you're going to get out of me on that one. But if anybody's got experience on finger limes, don't hesitate to make your contribution. That's what this show is all about. Now we're going to head back down, go to central Victoria, to Bendigo. Robin's there and she's asked, Will weed and feed treat wireweed? Look, it will. It's not going to knock it for six. You really do need a selective herbicide and you want to talk to your local independent garden centre in this particular instance for, special, for a specialist selective herbicide treatment or go to somebody like Jim's or, or VIP Mowing where the licensed sprayers can come in and spray it out for you. Now, we are running out of time. Where are we? Oh, I can't believe it. Got five minutes to go. Let's belt through the last few questions we can do for this week's show. Sarah is in Dawesville. It's in Western Australia, just south of Perth, about an hour or so. She's purchased the new hybrid kangaroo paws. Don't want to plant them till I move to North Dandelup. Should I repot them or leave them in the pots they're in? Repot them, Sarah. They love, they've got quite a vigorous root system. They love growing in good potting mix. Don't be scared to grow in, uh, native plants in, in pots. They really do love it. And kangaroo paws are a great example. So, yeah, maybe a pot that's double the size of the current one that you've got them in. So if it's in a 200 mil pot, take them to a three or 400 mil pot at least. Liz is in the central coast of New South Wales. Hi, Liz. It's just a general question. What's the difference between a spade and a shovel? Okay, it's a good question. So a shovel is for shoveling and a spade is for pushing into the ground and digging in. A shovel, you will get a post hole shovel, which is kind of a combination between the two. But um, yeah, technically it's just how you use them. One is for shoveling stuff around. So they're usually square mouthed as a general comment. So square headed um, and a spade is generally sort of rounded. So that's designed purely for the cutting purpose of, of digging into the soil. 
hopefully that helps that nice general question thank you lynn i'm not sure where you're from lynn but thank you very much you said you love our show my large teddy bear magnolia um so potted plants on your balcony and it has been mistakenly overwatered and waterlogged before our week holiday uh, this is what has happened. Um, can this come back? It depends on how much damage has been done. Really the trick here is to make sure that the soil is dried out. If you do that, magnolias are pretty tough. They're really, really good. And um, it's one of those things um, I just think that you probably find if you can let the soil dry out, it should bounce back. Um, there's really not a lot more you can do because if it's got waterlogged and it's got a fungal disease, even soaking the soil um, is probably not going to do a lot of good. It's all about drainage at this moment in time. Ron in Perth. Thank you, Ron. You've come back to us. My finger lime is fully laden with fruit and has been since last year. Um, it's in a nice big pot, but all the fruit seems to be taking ages to ripen. So the trick here is one is it's producing lots of fruit in a pot. Now, pots have dramatic temperature variations, so tend to dry out. Roots tend to grow to the side of a pot. When it's a hot day, they get a bit of stress and your finger lime's producing a lot of fruit. That's a really good indicator as to the way that you should get the best results out of finger limes. Um, but it's taking ages to ripen. How long do they take? Well, actually, all citrus are late here in WA because we had such a late, hot summer. And they do need some cooler nights before you'll get that colouring coming up. If you crack one of them open, you'll probably find that it's actually ripe on the inside, but just not coloured up on the outside. But they will colour up over the next probably two to three weeks. Mine at home are exactly the same, Ron. We're in the same boat, so don't worry. Amara is in Swan View in WA. Um, I've got a lime green magnolia situated close to a kumquat established by previous owners. It's always been beautiful and healthy. The heat waves over summer have burnt the leaves. Thought it was bouncing back, but it seems to be heading to the heavens. What should I do? Well, look, um, you are in WA. It has been a really hot, dry summer. Soak the soil around the base of the root system with sea salt. So two or three nine-litre watering cans, drench it. That will help it a lot. But be conscious that we're going into autumn. The plants are going to go to sleep. So all you're wanting to do basically make sure those roots have recovered from all the stress. Irene is from Bundaberg, subtropical Queensland, love it. Recently I discovered the spiral aloe, aloe polyphylla. It is an amazing plant, so symmetrical in its shape. Um, now, it, now you think that you might be slightly obsessed with it. Do I know of it? Yes, I do, I know it really well and I've got the same obsession. I love the symmetry of the way the foliage spirals up and its beautiful compact shape. Um, any tips on survival success in hot, humid, you know, climate that you've got? Um, so humidity is probably not going to be an issue, but um, waterlogging, big issue. They're better to grow in pots. So nice big pot, good free-draining cacti-succulent potting mix. So it's one of those ones that's predominantly sort of a, uh, sort of a coarse sand that will do the job really well for you. And... I reckon we have done pretty darn well. Um, have we got any more questions, guys? Yep. Yep, there's one more. Oh, Natalie. Natalie from Sydney. Hello. My oxalis is showing this yellow-orange powder under its leaves. I've cut off the affected leaves, but I don't know what it is or how to treat it. Um, interesting you're growing oxalis. It must be the ornamental one. Um, it's getting rust, and oxalis do get that. So there is a treatment, a fungal treatment that you can get in your local garden centre, um, really, really good. Um, but you need to go in and talk to them. And it, it is the independent garden centres that will help you with this kind of treatment. So you want a rust treatment for your oxalis, and that's uh, it's a fungicide and it'll be sprayed over the foliage. I think we've got one more question. Paulie is from Ocean Reef in WA. Please, mate, gnats are killing all our potted plants. I need advice. I'm ready to give up. Paulie, listen, there is a product from Yates. It's called... Um, Yates Nat Killer, I'm pretty sure it's called, Fungus Nat Killer. Um, get it and you sprinkle it over the top of the soil and it dries the top of the soil out. At the same time, it's when you look at it, it's, it's, a, it's a rock mineral product. It's got a serrated edge and it'll kill off all the baby gnats before they actually um, reappear. So look, go and grab yourself a couple of bags of that, spread it around as a like a little mulch over the surface of your pots and those fungus gnats will all but disappear. 
And that's all we've got for you today. There's been so many questions come through. We've covered so much ground. I hope you enjoyed it. This show has been jam-packed full of great gardening advice. And the good news is we're back next week. I'm really sorry if we didn't get through your to your question today, but we will follow it up. And Robin's going to send a message off to our prize winners for today's show as well. Joanne will be back next week. Um, jo is an immense talent when it comes to horticulture. She knows so much about it. So many of your garden problems will be solved. Make sure you join us for the Garden Gurus Live, 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time and 10 a.m. for WA viewers. And uh, don't forget to get your photo submissions in via Facebook this Wednesday. That's today, right? Remember, state your name, your state, suburb, and the question. And if you've got any other questions or you just want to have great research um, source, you can always jump onto our website, thegardengurus.tv. It really is jam-packed full of fact sheets and videos, great links to wonderful companies and products that will help solve garden products uh, problems. And, of course, um, any if you want to see any of our programs or any stories, head to thegardengurus.tv. That's our YouTube channel, so on YouTube. You can listen back to today's live stream and catch up on previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Audible. And don't forget, watch us this Saturday, 4.30 p.m. on Channel 9 for Episode 9 of the Garden Gurus Autumn Series 2022, our 20th anniversary. Thanks so much for joining, you, joining us today. I'm Trevor Cochran. Big thanks to all the team here who made it all happen. We'll see you next week. The Garden Gurus is back with a brand new season this weekend. Make sure to check out your local TV guide for your times.